Welcome to Berry Basics for Beginners, a brief look at growing blackberries, blueberries, raspberries, and strawberries. So hopefully from the title, it's clear that this is basics for beginners. You know, there's no way we can go into this in very much depth in an hour, but we're gonna, it's going to be fairly fast-paced. We'll try to get through it in time to, uh, to have some time for some questions at the end. But let's just begin with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to learn and grow. And Lord, we thank you for berries. We love them and we know they're good for us. So I just pray that you would bless this time. May it be an encouragement to those who are here and um, may they go back and grow berries, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Start with this interesting quote, wherever fruit can be grown in abundance, a liberal supply should be prepared for winter by canning or drying. Of course, now we can also do freezing. Small fruits such as currants, gooseberries, strawberries, raspberries, and blackberries can be grown to advantage in many places where they are but little used and their cultivation is neglected. Um, are any of you familiar with the, the publication that James White wrote on berries? It's actually like a 40-page pamphlet on growing berries. Um, well, I think it may be called small fruits or something, but that's basically berries. It's on your Ellen White apps and that kind of thing. So that's a fun thing to read. Um, any, any ideas what, what Mrs. White's favorite fruit was? Who said that? What do you think? I think you're right. I, I can't prove it, but she mentions more about strawberries than any other fruit. And so I'm pretty sure it was her favorite fruit. Um, we started out as a strawberry farm, and I wish I had time to tell you that whole stro story, but I don't. We now are much more diversified than that for many reasons. So why grow berries? I, I don't think we need to spend much time on this. Almost everybody loves berries, you know. I mean, how can you not love them? Um, they can be grown in most areas of the U.S. Um, compared to a lot of fruit, that's just not the case. But berries are, are grown in most places. Of course, we know in the last few years, you know, there's just so much research about the health benefits of berries. And conventional berries are often highly sprayed, especially strawberries. Strawberries are the number one most toxic fruit or vegetable in the U.S. Don't ever um, buy strawberries from the store unless they're organic or you're filling yourself with toxic uh, who knows what. Um, it's a relatively small investment and quick return compared to other fruits. Now notice the term relatively. I'm not saying it's a small investment and it's 
but compared to tree fruit, it's a much quicker turnaround. So that's, that's a big deal. You know, especially if you're trying to do this commercially, you've you got to get a return on your investment as quickly as possible. Um, and, and I would say you have a better chance of success with berries than with other fruits, especially in the South. You know, it kind of hurts me when I see all these people coming out of the cities and the first thing they do is they plant their orchard the Ellen White way and anybody who's done that knows it's a huge amount of work um, and then they don't have success with their orchard and I mean there's a lot of reasons for that but the the reality is much I mean where we live it's just not a good tree fruit growing area you know we've been growing we've had a market garden for 25 years and we have yet to plant our first apple tree where, now i'm not i'm not proud of that but that's just a reality that i i i have to do things that i can make money on and i'm not sure i can make money on apples in our area i still you know i'm gathering information i have all my, these ideas in my mind of how i can do it but i haven't done it i mean we literally have i mean i was in the fig thing this morning because we have three fig trees that we're growing and you know we're trying to do a few persimmons but um we don't have fruit i mean tree fruit but we've got the small fruits so I'm going to go through a, a few things here to kind of compare the different crops just for, your, for you to think about how quickly can you expect to harvest with primocane bearing blackberries and raspberries. You can actually get fruit in four to five months, a small first harvest. And then every fall late summer fall after that so that's the quickest turnaround strawberries if you do the annual system um, it takes about seven months you plant them in the fall harvest them the next spring is that working okay i'll probably hold it thank you is this any better Okay, um, so about seven months. Now, if you do the matted row system, it's, uh, it's going to take a year. You plant them one spring and they start bearing the next spring. But that's still a relatively quick turnaround. Um, blueberries take at least three years to the first small harvest and five plus years to full production. Um, and so notice this is what's cool about berries. So strawberries come in the spring and if you get the right varieties of blueberries, your blueberries can be starting as your strawberries finish up. And then your blackberries come in and your raspberries come in so you literally if you do it right can have berries from spring and if you use hoop houses or caterpillar tunnels 
I think with, with not a lot of effort, you could have fresh berries from your garden from the beginning of April to into November. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be awesome. Um, okay, so this, this one is easiest to hardest to grow, in my opinion. So blackberries, I would say, is the easiest, followed by blueberries, followed by raspberries, and unfortunately, strawberries, in my opinion, are the most difficult to grow. Um, and, and by grow, I mean successfully. You know, anybody can plant a strawberry plant, but to really do it successfully... Okay, now this is just another thing. This probably is not really useful to you, but the point here is just to give you an idea of the cost. So this is the average cost of planting, and this is just, I took the cost of what it would take if I bought them from Norse Farms up in Massachusetts, um, to plant an acre of berries. Now, you know, most of you are not going to be planting an acre of berries. Can you read that? Um, so blueberries are the most expensive. They're going to be a, around $8,000. And, of course, you understand that this is assuming you're buying 1,090 plants. Obviously, the fewer plants you buy, the prices are going to be a little higher than that. Um, strawberries comes in next. You average around 14,500 plants for strawberries. That's going to be around 5,000. Raspberries, I can't even read my own thing here, uh, 32,000. Uh, sorry, yeah, 3,200 and blackberries is pretty similar. Um, and you can see the spacings there, and that's based on 10 feet apart. You, on a home scale, you wouldn't necessarily need them 10 feet apart, but you wanna have room to get between easily. So again, it's just to kinda compare the different ones. Um, you know, from from a, a cost and and quick return aspect, um, your blackberries and raspberries come out looking pretty good. Planting life expectancy. So strawberries, there's two different systems that I mentioned earlier. Annual production your life expectancy is, is nine months. Once they bear in the spring, you pull the plants out, finish, you're done. Matted row production, you keep them in for three to four years. Um, but we'll talk about the pros and cons there a little bit. Raspberries can go 10 plus years. Blackberries, 15 plus, And blueberries, 30 plus. You know, 30 to 50 years, I've heard of people. You now, of course, this is all based on taking good care of them, um, but it's a long-term investment. So you see, you know, blueberries have the longest time till you start getting your money back, but they also 
grow the longest. So you've got to weigh all these things and um, decide what's the best investment there. I just want to point out this picture. Boy, the, the resolution doesn't look so good there. But anyway, this is, this is showing somebody covering their blueberries with bird netting. That's something you may have to consider depending on where you are and what your bird pressure is. So now we're going we're gonna to give a few general recommendations for all the berries, and then we'll get into more specifics. I would highly recommend using raised beds to avoid standing water, or the other option is growing on a hillside. Berries, well, there's not very many plants that like wet feet, as they say, but berries really don't like that. So you need to, if, if you have especially a heavy soil and, and water tends to pool, you're going to want to get those berries up out of that. Um, water regularly through drip irrigation. Uh, berries and especially blueberries need lots of water um, so that's important and drip is much better than overhead because you don't want to get the water on the fruit berries love a soil rich in organic matter uh, they benefit from mulching so with strawberries do you know why they're called strawberries because traditionally they've been mulched with straw or covered with straw in the winter to protect them. Um, but we actually use plastic mulch, which we could talk about if we have time, the pros and cons there. But all the others work really well with wood chips or woven fabric. Commercially, you can see in this picture, they use a lot of woven fabric. We were in Romania in October and visited a commercial blueberry farm. Everything was raised beds with the, the woven fabric on it. And they were, they were picking blueberries in the middle of October. I couldn't believe it. It was amazing. How did they get it? The, the crazy thing is the same varieties that they grow here in the States. Elliot is like the latest northern high bush blueberry, but they were picking it in October, and we were eating them and loving it. A fence to keep the deer out. A deer will, they love berries, you know, and we couldn't figure out where our blueberries were going because they seemed to disappear faster than they were ripening. And we finally figured out the deer were just getting in there and just nibbling off the berries, not, not eating the bushes, but just eating the berries. So deer are a nemesis for, for berries. And yeah, and a few other things. You may want to consider bird netting unless you're growing enough to share. You know, with our strawberries, we've always felt like, you know, okay, a few bird pecks, it's not a big deal. But if you've only got a few plants and, you know, you're going out every day watching those berries ripen, to go out and find the birds have gotten them, that's like 
major calamity, right? Um, so, you know, you can easily get bird netting kind of stuff. Okay, now we're going to get into some more specific cultural recommendations. So we've clumped these blackberries and raspberries together in a group called brambles, and they're often uh, grouped together like that. Blackberries um, naturally like it hot, so they don't do so well in the far northern parts of the country, although Kendra, our intern, was saying that uh, they pick blackberries up in northern Idaho, so I don't know. Um, apparently there are varieties. I think some of the, the, I think maybe those are wild. I don't know. Um, maybe some of the cultivated varieties don't do so well up north. But generally speaking, blackberries like it really hot. Generally speaking, raspberries like it cooler. So, you know, if you're in the way south or the way north, you may want to take that into account. Um, plant back blackberries normally planted three to four feet apart in the row raspberries one to two feet apart raspberries really fill in very quickly and they will take over very quickly if you let them um, whereas blackberries stay more in clumps depending on the variety but um Okay, now this is, a, this is an important point here we need to make sure you understand. I recommend starting with primocane bearing varieties, also called ever bears or fall bears. They are far easier to prune and less disease prone versus floricane varieties. So do you know the difference between primocane and floricane? Okay, good, because you're beginners. You shouldn't know this, right? So traditionally, um, brambles take two years to produce fruit. The first year, they send up what's called the primocane. The second year, that primocane flowers and fruits, and then it's called the floricane. So it's the same cane, but just the first year versus second year. But over the years, breeders have worked on breeding until they have come up with primocane bearing raspberries, which have been around for quite a while actually, but primocane bearing blackberries have only been around for 15 or 20 years. So they're relatively new. So you, you plant those in the spring, they send up their shoots, and they will bear on the ends of those shoots that first year. So that's cool. You don't have to wait so long. But there's other reasons why I'm recommending for beginners to stick with primocane bearing, because the pruning is really, really simple, and we'll get to that in a minute. Secondly, there's less disease pressure because the longer those canes are out there, the greater the chance they're going to get diseased. So by only having the, the first year, the primocane cane, 
you're much more likely to get a good harvest than waiting for the second year. Does that make sense? Couple recommended varieties. Now, you know, years ago with the raspberries, we got like 10 or 12 different varieties and did a, a variety trial. And this is what we came up with back then, our favorite fall bearing variety and the, the, the highest yield for raspberries was the variety Caroline. And I still recommend it. Um, it interesting, there's, there's research that Caroline is actually much higher than most raspberries in a lot of those good things for you you know, all those nutrients. Um, so raspberries are, I mean, Caroline is the raspberry variety we grow. The blackberries, there's, there's only two or three varieties of primocane bearing blackberries. And we are growing the prime arc freedom. Almost all the varieties come out of Arkansas. So that's the arc part. Um, it's bred at the University of Arkansas. Okay, moving right along. I, re I recommend a V trellis for growing brambles um, using six or eight foot T posts. And you can see the illustration there. You just put them a foot and a half or so apart, pairs of them down the row. I I don't know that I would go quite 25 feet. That's, uh, that's a little far apart, but um, you have to have some way to, to tighten it at the end here, either a post leaning in this way or what I'm gonna do this next year because we're, we're just going to this trellis system. You're gonna be ahead of us here, but I'm gonna put um, something inside so I'm not having to mow and weed eat around it out here. There's actually these special aluminum things that go on T-posts that you can connect them kind of at angles, bracing. It's, yeah, you can look it up. I don't know what it's called, but aluminum T-post bracing. It's a locking system that, that works. And so that's what I'm gonna do and they only have two, two wires. I would just use some kind of wire, electric fence wire or something. I would definitely put three or four on there as well. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll see diagrams for a simple T post or not a, a simple T trellis, you know, like about four feet tall and you've got a cross piece and you know we had a made actually just out of rebar and we welded washers on the end so you can just run your wire through that but it doesn't work for us there's too many that fall down below or they come up much higher and they just flop over so i feel like this is much better what was the part about not mowing out there How that well so if if you've got a post you know, this is where your, your field ends. And so if you've got an angled post out here, it's a pain to, to you know, you've got to weed eat around it and mow around it. Where if it's in the row, 
you know, bracing from the inside, you don't have to fool with it. Oh, good. I'm glad. So you, the, the end one you put in further back in, is that, is that the Rather than having the brace outside the end trellis, it's inside, you know, rather than pulling out, it's keeping the, the stakes from going in. I'm, I'm, I don't know how to explain it better. Yeah, it's it's a forty-five degree angle propping that end post up and keep it from coming in. Like the end of a barbed wire fence. Yeah. Okay, so primocane blackberries should be tipped, and by tipped, it's just you're just going out there and pinching off the growing tip. Um, at, and this, this is the recommendations of, of the, the nurse farm people up in Massachusetts. But I, I was reading, and, and so honestly, I, I'm pretty new at primocane blackberries. So I don't have a lot of experience with that. Um, we were, so I'm learning too, and that's why I was happy to do this. It gave me time to research some of these things. But what I read there and what we did with our bushes this year is tip them at 15 inches. You just go through and, and so you got to do this pretty regularly because they're shooting out new shoots all the time through the summer. So every time they get up about 15 inches, you just break that tip off. And then that forces them to put out side shoots. And so when those get about 30 inches tall, you're going to tip those. But then I did read one place that southern growers may want to just try tipping at three feet. Well, I read that after I'd already tipped all mine shorter. Um, so we'll try, we'll experiment next year with some of both. So you may want to do the same since I can't really guide you on that. The, the purpose is to, if you don't tip them, they'll grow 10 feet tall, you know, and they'll just be flopped all over. And, and the, the other thing is they're only putting out fruit on the end. So by tipping them off, you're forcing them to branch and you're increasing your fruit production. Okay. Um, well, I don't know for sure, but what I can say is that, well, we, we had an early frost this year, so we didn't get many blackberries because they were still coming on. And so I'm thinking maybe part of that was we tipped them too heavily, and, but I, I haven't quite figured out why it would work up north and not for us. I haven't, I don't know, maybe Whitmar can fill us in on that a little bit. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm still learning on the, the primocane blackberries. I, I will say this here, I think it's okay to put it in here. I, I was just reading this like last week 
Well, no, I'm going to wait on that because I think it'll make more sense later. Um, primocane raspberries do not need to be pruned at all in the summer. Um, and this is one of the beauties, you know, whereas with, with floricane raspberries, you definitely need to do some pruning and thinning. But they don't recommend that for primocane. Raspberries should not be allowed to grow out into your pathways because they will take over, as I said. Um, we actually have used the black landscape fabric in our pathways um, so that they can't go out. And you've got to staple it down good because they'll be pushing up the staples. They just go crazy. Um, so you got to have some way, you know, you could, I guess, just go along every so often and use a spade to cut because they, they sucker under the ground, you know, they keep going. Um, you could keep cutting that off, but it's easier just to use landscape fabric or something. Smother them. Okay, so in January, and I just kind of took that date as... Uh, a general one for this area you know it it depends maybe somewhat on where you are in the country um, you want to cut the raspberries and blackberries all the way down to the ground don't leave stubs sticking up because if you leave stubs sticking up then they'll bud off of those stubs and um, you're basically yeah, anyway, you just want to take them all the way down to the ground. Okay? You can't kill them? You can kill most anything if you work at it, but it won't kill them, no. Um, you know, like I said, raspberries, you have a hard time killing. If I had time, I could tell you stories. We've done a fair bit of experimenting with raspberries. Um, you killed the golden ones by by pruning them back. Well, but when did you mow them down? Yeah. Well, the see January. You 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 didn't follow the instructions. Um, yeah, you, they've got to be totally dormant. Okay. You don't want them starting to bud out in the spring and you don't want them still going in the fall. You want to wait till they're totally dormant. Um, where am I here? Fertilize in spring with compost and, and you know, talk to Whitmar what kind of amendments you need according to your soil test. Primocane brambles are perfect candidates for growing in caterpillar tunnels. This is what we're we're going towards we got the frame up but we never got the plastic on this last year but um if I, we're trying to save questions for the end because otherwise we get derailed here but um the beauty of that is because they're bearing in the fall if you can keep some frost off you can keep you know many times we'll have a, a hard frost but then it won't freeze again for two or three more weeks. 
So if you can keep them from getting frozen back with that first frost, you can go another month maybe with your berry production. Plus, raspberries are very perishable. We all know that, I think. Um, keeping the rain off, you know, they've done a lot of experiments on this. You can look it up online in, in Pennsylvania, especially. Um, they get much bigger yields, like two to three times as much fruit grown in, in tunnels versus outdoors. And it's higher quality fruit. So if you, if you have the resources, I would encourage you to experiment with that. So I'll end the bramble part with saying, with experience, you may want to branch out into floricane brambles. Um, and, and I give a, a, a link here, pruning information. Um, like I say, I, I really like Nurse or Norse. I'm not sure how you say it, Farms. Um, they've got a lot of information and they have really high quality plants. Um, so, you know, why would you do that? Well, you could then, if you have floricane bearing raspberries, for example, they start like in June. So you could have raspberries June, July, and then your primocanes are going to come in sometime in August. And so, you know, again, they don't like it really hot. So depending on where you live, that's another advantage of the primocane ones. They come on later in the season when it's usually not so hot and they thrive in that fall weather okay so let's let's hurry on here i gotta remember when am i quitting Midnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true this is the last class so we can fudge a little maybe but um we started at 245, 245. so ends at 345 blueberries you're going to choose different types of blueberries depending on where you live in the U.S. Um, the high bush or the northern high bush are what's grown to, in the middle and northern parts of the country. Um, and then in the south, you either have the rabbit eye varieties or the southern high bush. Now, these are, these are groups, and there's many individual varieties under there. So... You know, best advice I can give you there is find out what others are growing in your area and doing well with. We, we have a unique situation where we can, you know, where we are, we can really grow both. Um, we're kind of in that middle section. Um, yeah, and I, I wish I had more time to tell you a story about that, but I don't. Blueberries have very shallow root systems. This is a real key. So you water much. In fact, you know, the, the Wee Johns um, are here. They, they did a thing last year. They're, they're growing blueberries commercially out in Washington State. But they were watering basically nonstop in the summertime. It was unbelievable how much they watered. Um, and it made me realize we're not watering enough. They need lots of water. But again, 
if you have them on raised beds, they're not just saturated, you know. You don't want them sitting in the water. And because they have very shallow roots, you have to be very careful about cultivation. That's why it's best to mulch them, okay? Um, they traditionally like an acidic soil, and I know this is somewhat controversial. You know, there's, there's a lot more that goes into it than just the pH, and Whitmar can go into that a lot more than we have time to here. But, you know, one thing you can do when you make your hole for your blueberries is have a mix of about 50% peat moss, which tends to be more acidic and mix that with your native soil and that's kind of a general recommendation you know of course they talk about adding sulfur to the soil to lower the ph you know there's there's downsides to that you got to be careful about how much you add and so on so um one thing I read just recently in, in studying for this is that because blueberries have such a shallow root system, you don't have to try to, to acidify your whole soil profile. You're just worried about that top layer. Would you agree? Actually, Whitmar grows blueberries commercially, so do you have a 30-second thought on pH and blueberries? So balance. So balanced soil is more important in his mind than low pH. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Okay. So, I won't repeat that for audio verse. Um, other than deer and birds and SWD, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, blueberries have relatively, relatively few pests or disease problems. That's one of the beauties of them. They're, they can be hard to get established, and I'm convinced it's mainly because of lack of watering. Um, but once they get established, they're pretty, pretty easy to grow, my opinion. Um, but again, they, they need that water. Um, pruning. So, you know, again, we don't have time to go into it much, but I think this, this uh, drawing is pretty informative. The first year, they just send a shoot straight up. The second year, they branch off of that shoot. The third year, they branch off of the branches. And then the fourth year, they branch off the branches, off the branches, off the branches, or whatever. But that, that was very helpful for me when I first saw this concept, because it, you know, basically, you're wanting to prune out this kind of stuff, 
and leave, you know, the second and third year are going to be your most productive fruit years. And, um, and so you're just going through and um, I've, I've heard different things. Some, some people prune harder than others, but you're just basically pruning out a third or a fifth to a third of that plant each year. The old stuff. Does that make sense? And you're, you're wanting to get all the low stuff that's not doing any good. And you're wanting to keep the bush from getting too crowded in the center. So you want to kind of focus on that. You want to kind of open it up so it's getting more air and sunlight to it. But you're just, you're just looking for this really... And you'll, you'll see if you don't prune this out, you'll get lots of berries on there, but they're tiny little berries. Your big, lush, nice berries are going to be on your younger canes. Does that make sense? Okay, we're following. I've, I feel a little self-conscious with Whitmar in here, but um, if I say anything heretical, Whitmar, stop me. But that's just a very, very brief overview. But, but I think it's pretty informative just to, to see that picture. Does it, does it the fifth year, do the, does it just keep going? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just gets more kind of messy. And you can also tell the younger canes have, are, are more reddish. Um, and they, they change a look as they get older. And the older ones are just more gray, barky looking, and they tend to get lichen on them and stuff. And, and so it's, it's pretty easy to tell, even if you're not looking up at the top, just looking at the base, you can pretty much tell the older wood. And you come off at the bottom as low as you can? Do they sprout? They... Um, they can, yes. So um, I'm trying to remember something I read. I feel like what I read was that they recommend, and Whitmar, correct me if I'm wrong here, that one thing I read, this was from the Holistic Orchard book, I think. I don't know. I read so much, but um, I think the rabbit eyes, they were recommending cutting off six inches above the soil or something and the northern the high bush they were recommending cutting off more at soil level do you that's correct okay six six inches something like that okay moving along to strawberries so with strawberries, the first thing that I want to say is planting depth is extremely important. So we have this illustration. If you plant them too deep, you'll kill them. If you plant them too high, they'll never thrive. You've got to get them at that right level where the crown is just right at the soil level. It's not buried. It's not sticking way up out of the ground. Um, and you don't want the roots bent. Um, you want them as straight down as possible. 
So take, take extra time in, in planting them right. Um, strawberries need a lot of protection. Protection from deer and voles. You can do that with fencing and traps. You know about voles. I mean, they, they can really do a lot of damage, um, both above ground and below ground. They need protection from colds. And the general rules there are if winter temperatures go below 10 degrees, they need some kind of protection. You know, you could either mulch them with straw or what we do is just use row cover, floating row cover over them. Um, and then, of course, in the spring, um, strawberry flowers and frost do not mix at all. You, so once they start flowering, if you don't protect them, you're losing your fruit. Um, so, you know, you can get really fancy and do overhead irrigation, which they do a lot commercially. But on a small scale, you can just use row cover and um, multiple levels. So, you know, we have a rule on our farm, if it's going below 30, well, this is like for other crops, but with strawberries, if there's any chance it's going to freeze and you need to know where you live, you can't just look at the app and, and follow the app, right? Because our farm is, is up to 10 degrees colder than the local forecast. Um, so if there's any chance it's going to freeze, you put a cover over them. If it's going to go below the mid-20s, I would double cover them. If it's going to be down in the teens, I might even triple cover them. You know, you've, you've spent a lot of time and effort getting them to this point, so you don't want to lose them in the spring. They need protection from rain and wet conditions. Um, and, and again, this is another great use for caterpillar tunnels. Um, or, you know, if they're outside, you just have to, to keep them picked well. You can't let them stay on the vine, especially if there's a lot of rain. The challenge with rain and strawberries is you, don't, you not only have all the rot issues, but you have flavor issues. Water on ripe strawberries takes all the flavor out of them. So... Um, yeah, if, if you have a way to grow them undercover, it can save a lot of heartache. And then the birds, of course, and the deer. And, um, well, we talked about deer up above. So protection from the birds when the berries ripen. Um, yeah, I'll just tell you one quick story. Um, in 2007, any farmer remembers the Easter freeze of 2007 um, in, in the southern U.S. at least. We'd had a very early spring and the leaves on the trees were, were big. And we had this Easter freeze. I don't remember the exact date. I think it was April 17 or something. Um, <clears throat> 
and it got down to like 17 degrees mm. and it killed everything the trees it was like fall in the spring it was the craziest thing the leaves all died and fell off the trees and we're like what now <laughs> um, but they grew back but anyway that whole summer that whole it, it messed up nature big time I, I don't know what happened but we had um, now I'm not even gonna remember the bird cedar waxwings flocks of cedar waxwings we'd never seen cedar waxwings before for two weeks there was not a ripe berry in the field they ate every ripe berry and then they left and we had more strawberries um, but the the crazy thing is I talked to growers you know an hour away from us there was a Mennonite grower he said he was shooting them with shotgun his kids were carrying them out of the field in five-gallon buckets and he finally gave up because there were so many in North Carolina they were overrun with cedar waxwings never happened since but anyway I don't know that's just a interesting anecdotal story but um, that was the only time birds have really wiped us out normally it's just you know a few bird pecks well you know those are the ones we eat we just cut out the bird peck and we freeze them and eat them and have lots of strawberry shortcake and all that good stuff okay <clears throat> a few more <clears throat> strawberry recommendations i i really recommend the annual plasticulture system um, unless you're way up north and i know you know there's issues with plastic and we've had to wrestle with that but we about lost our shirts and our pants too trying to grow strawberries without plastic in our climate um, so we finally rationalized that it's better for people to get local organic berries grown on plastic than to go to the store and buy conventional um, strawberries from far away also grown on plastic. Does that make sense? It's, at least it's a two steps in the right direction. So that's kind of where we're at. You know, we'd love to, we've, we've tried um, biodegradable plastics and different things we've tried the woven fabric and we may go back to that but from our trials with plastic versus woven fabric the plastic definitely out yielded but anyway the big thing here is the amount of work involved you know most people what you plant every year I'd rather plant every year in a newly prepared field than to try to maintain those plants all summer long and you know we're talking about weeding we're talking about watering you got to renovate them it's it's a lot of work and you're not getting anything from them you know those of you who heard the lean class you know the lean farm it's a book I would recommend for anybody going into that's waste that's muda 
you're doing this work and not getting anything from it. You don't have time for that. So, you know, we plant them in the fall. We plant them in the end of September. Um, that's past most of the wheat. You know, that's past when the, the grass is sprouting and everything. So we have a few winter weeds we got to deal with. But basically, there's not much maintenance over the winter. Just keeping the deer out and covering them if they get below 10. And then come spring, they, they flower and fruit. Plastic culture, um, because it's black plastic on a raised bed, it warms the soil sooner. So your berries start producing earlier. The downside is you got to frost protect them, but the upside is you have a much longer season because it's the heat that shuts them down. So if you can lengthen your season, we, we have started as early as the first week of April and gone as late as the first week in July. That's a long strawberry season. Five minutes, okay. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta weigh it out for yourself, but unless you live way north where they haven't really perfected the plastic culture system, I, I would highly recommend growing them in an annual system like this. And like I say, you can use the woven fabric with burned holes and, and you can reuse that. Um, I, I also would recommend June-bearing varieties versus day-neutral or ever-bearing varieties. And again, this is a southern thing. I was talking to Adner at uh, Eden Valley. He's having good success with, with day-neutrals. Um, but they have very cold nights there, you know, comparatively. And so the, the strawberries keep going. You know, in the south, they don't, they don't bear well all summer. And, you know, to me, it's much better to have a focused, concentrated picking window. You get them picked and, and the season's over and everybody breathes a sigh of relief. Um, it's kind of a weird sigh because it's like, oh, man, the money just dried up. But the other side is, ah. Oh, Finally, no more strawberry picking. Um, anyway, that's that's my take on it. Um, whereas, you know, the ever bears, it's like who's picking every, you know, every couple days. You know, it, I guess for us, it just complicates everything to have to be checking on the strawberries all summer long. Anyway, that's just my thoughts. Um, I would I would definitely encourage again that you ask growers in your area what works good for them. We use Chandler. We love the Chandler. We always get at least six weeks out of them, which is a long strawberry season. You know, up north, a lot of the berries only produce for like two weeks. So they have, you know, multiple varieties to extend the season but the individual varieties are a very short period. Okay, oh boy, we got to...
SWD, the three dreaded letters. SWD stands for spotted wing drosophila, a type of fruit fly. The, the challenge with spotted wing drosophila is most fruit flies um, lay their eggs in overripe fruit. Spotted wing drosophila lays their eggs in green or ripening fruit. So you have this terrible thing. I, you probably can't see it from there, but you pick your raspberries and the next morning you pull them out for breakfast and there's these little white maggots crawling over them. And all of a sudden your desire for raspberries on your, on your Cheerios goes away, right? But, ah, you know, what do you do? It's become a major issue in small fruits. And I asked Alistair about figs. They do figs too. Anything with a, a softer skin. So, you know, what do you do about it? Well, there's not a whole lot of organic options. Um, and even conventional growers are grappling with it. Um, you know, sometimes ignorance is bliss, right? You, you, <laughs> and sometimes older eyes can be a good thing because <laughs> you just, you know, it's protein. I don't know what to say. Um, but what I can say is pick, you know, my wife, she was a little more careful than I was with the raspberries this fall. She would make sure they were good and firm and, you know, not the ones that just fall off the vines, the ones that you kind of have to pull off. Um, and those have less issues. You know, the, the riper they are, the, the greater the chance you're going to, if you look really closely, so you don't want to tell your kids because they're going to look really closely probably. Um, anyway, there's, there's a good resource here on that. Um, you know, they attack all your small fruits. Uh, they, they do. This is one nice thing about strawberries because they're early enough in the season. The population grows over the season. So the later the fruit is the greater the chance of having. And so, of course, that means your primocane brambles are prime targets for it, right? Um, so I, I don't know. I, I hated to actually insert this slide, but I, I felt like if I didn't, I would be um, not being totally honest with you. Um, so resources, you can take a picture of that. And these will be somewhere at some point where you can get the slideshow. There's a few farms we've dealt with. I, I really can highly recommend Norse Farms. Um, they just have a, a, a superior quality product. They're not the cheapest, but we've had good success with these other places too. There's a couple resources there that can be really helpful. I would really... If you don't know about Atra, atranncat.org, it's an incredible resource with all kinds of 
articles on everything you want to grow, how to grow it organically, and and it's well documented. And you know they'll have links to all the research articles where they got their information from. It's an incredible resource that I would highly recommend. And with that, I'm going to end. And because we've got nobody coming in here after us, we can take a few minutes for questions. And, you know, I'll go as long as you want. But if, if you need to go, it won't offend me. Here and then back here. What about the runners on strawberries? Okay, that's a good question, and yeah, I just didn't have time to go into it all. With matted row, you know, you plant your plants further apart, you know, like two feet apart or something, and then you let the runners fill in, and it makes what they call a matted row, which it's just a solid mass of strawberry plants. But that makes it much harder to pick, and it makes it much harder to keep the disease out because they don't have the airflow around the plants and stuff. Whereas the annual system, the ideal is you're planting them late enough in the fall that they don't produce runners and, and you never deal with them. Now, sometimes, depending on the fall weather, they will put out some runners and then you just cut them or pick them off. Just tear them off. Simple as that. Runners, yeah. Okay, yes. Blueberries. The pruning, you said it's annual, and you do that before they break dormant, right? Oh, yeah. I think it had it on there. I just didn't say. I think, yeah, what did February. it say? February. February. Yeah, so the, the brambles, I said January because that was the general consensus I read in the literature. I and it said January for blueberries. No, I think it's February. It, basically, late in the season, but before they really start. Just before they go alive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, they kind of have buds. You know, if you look at your blueberries now, you can see the flower buds for spring. Um, and so, yeah, you got to be careful to know what you're looking for. But basically, yeah, you want to do it late enough in the season that, well, just do it before they start, you know, the weather really starts warming up and it looks like spring is on its way. No, you'd never want to fertilize blueberries in the fall. But yeah, you do want to fertilize them in the spring. Yes. Before or after pruning? Um, I would say after pruning. I don't know. Whitmar, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I assume when you're talking about fertilizing, you're talking about nitrogen. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. What do you mean by fertilizing? Yeah, but the point is you don't want to do it later in the summer because it will encourage new growth, which then will get 
get knocked back with the frost. Mm -hmm. So when you when you're pulling the row cover on the strawberries, is it are you just pulling it straight on top, or do you have little, like little tunnel hoops? Yeah, good question. Uh, we um, when you pull when you put row covers on strawberries, are you putting them straight on the strawberries? Yes, we do. Um, you know, there are some people, and maybe on a small scale, I might think about hoops, because any any uh, flower that's touching the row cover could get burned by the frost. It's kind of funny, burned by the frost, but that's kind of what you say. Um, so you could technically, but usually the flowers tend to be down inside, so it's it's not a major issue, but you could lose a few flowers without having it suspended. Do you, on your strawberries, your plastic sort of pulses strawberries, do you buying plugs or do you buying plants and you're throwing them out? Okay, are we buying plugs for the, the strawberries? You know, the, Propagating strawberries was beyond the level here, but we actually propagate our own in that we buy runner tips, and they come from Prince Edward Island, okay? And they come a 1,000 to a box. We propagated this year 21,000 strawberry plants. Um, and, and that means we're just sticking them in a plug and rooting them under mist because they have no roots and so the the mist is keeping that you have a timer going and they have to stay moist until they root otherwise they die but again that's you i would never encourage you to do that so there are many places and i know isons and i think nurse farm not sure about indiana berry they, they sell strawberry plugs in the fall. So there's, there's quite a few places now you can buy them, usually 50 to a tray. So, yeah, that's what I would recommend. If you live near us, you know, we only grow now about uh, 3,600. We've cut way back from the early days. And so the rest we're selling. We sell to local farms and stuff covers the cost of our strawberries every year. Okay, any other questions? No, no, we're getting them through Cottle Farms out of North Carolina. But, I mean, they get them from, from Prince Edward Island. They're just the middleman. Um, yes? A little dumb question, but can you plant your runners? No dumb questions. Yes, you can plant your runners. Um, and on a home scale, um, you might want to look at that. One reason we don't is because the Chandler, the variety we use, has an Achilles heel, and that is that it's, it's not very disease resistant, and there's a disease in strawberries that's dreaded, and that is called anthracnose. And there's a danger if you plant your own tips that those could be infected because it, it's endemic in the area you know it's on it's on wild native plants and so 
we feel it's worth it to get new stock every year. The reason why it's in Canada is because there's less disease pressure up there. Okay? So that's, but on a home scale, yeah. You know, you can get little cups or something. You did that, didn't you, Jesse? I tried. It didn't work. Um, you know, you can't just cut them off unless they have a good root system on them. But um, if you put them in a cup, put a little staple or something to hold them there and let them root, then you can cut them off and plant them. Yeah, not a dumb question at all. Okay, here and then here. Okay, so berries, which is more important, um, less sun or drier soil? Is that kind of the... Or I'm thinking of not freezing soil. Oh, yeah, the, the frost pockets are down low. Um, you know, these are all things you have to weigh. I don't know that I can tell you exactly. You know, our farm is in a frost pocket. But frost pockets are where the best soil is and where we have gravity flow water, so that gives us the best water pressure and everything. So you have to just weigh the pros and cons and know that if you're down low, you're going to have to do more frost protection. So um, why did you do it down in that spot? Because that's exactly what I have what you described. Um, why did we do it down there? Well, what did you do? Oh, I mean, we, we frost protect, you know. we. It's the the nice thing is we have a, a very gentle slope, so it's not like we're down in the bottom of a bowl where the water's standing. So we just we know it's going to be cold, and we deal with it. Is that a disease, or is that a, is that just a natural cycle? Yeah. So he's talking about um, you're talking about blackberries. oh blackberries. Yeah, so they do really well for a few years, and then they peter out. Um, that is quite common, and we. So you said you you had what you thought it was floricane, yeah, or on the second year. Canes yeah, yeah. Year. We had the same thing actually, and that's why we've gone to the primacane varieties because. We, you know, they did really well for two or three years, and then they just start going downhill. Most people would say that's that's um, viruses or diseases from the wild blackberries. So one thing they recommend with, you know, for commercial growers is that you take out any wild blackberries anywhere close around. Um, you know. So like I say, one, one um, rationale for us going to the, the primocane-bearing varieties is to try to limit that. So we haven't had them long enough to really say, come back they, in five years. And, well, because you're cutting out the canes to the ground every year, they're not harboring anything, you know. It's less likely. I'm not saying they can't get disease, but it's it's less likely on the primocane varieties. Okay, the questions continue here and then here and here. What would happen if you didn't trellis the 
raspberries and blackberries. What happens if you don't trellis them? They fall over all over the ground and then you're picking them up and, and I mean, it's a pain. Don't do it. So it's, yeah, it, it, it's different than wild blackberries where they're not like all. Well, okay, raspberries are much more floppy. Blackberries, it depends. So there's different kinds of blackberries. There's erect and semi-erect and trailing. And so, you know, depending on, on the kind of blackberry you're growing, you've got to, to manage them a little differently. But I'm trying to simplify it for you and just say go with the primocane varieties. And those are more erect and they won't flop over as much, but still, I still think it's worth having a trellis because, you know, yeah, just for efficiency of picking. Yeah. And as soon as the raspberries are on the ground, they're no good, yeah. you know, so. Do they have seedless, oh, sorry. Seedless raspberries? <laughs> seedless blackberries. Oh, no, I, no. The floricane blackberry. Yeah, so I, I, I do. I'm glad you brought that up because I did read an article um, just within the last week or so that southern growers, and I'm talking about like Alabama, Louisiana kind of southern growers, are having really good success. Well, let me back up and just say any primocane bearing variety will bear the next year on floricane. That, that's both for raspberries and blackberries. So we're complicating it, right? But you leave those, you don't trim them back to the ground and they're gonna produce the next year on that same cane earlier in the season. But what happens is it's not as big a crop and most experts will say you're better off just cutting them off but you know on a home gardening scale you might want to save a few plants and just experiment is it worth trying to get a second crop out of the same cane so i'm not sure i forgot what's your original question so with the four cane Exactly. And, and it's a whole, but it's not just don't trim them back. You have to prune them in the winter time. And that's why I referred you to this article, which will give you more detail. It's just a lot more complicated. And not, I mean, it's not like rocket science. You can figure it out easy enough, but it was beyond, I knew I wouldn't have time to get into it here. The second year ones die after. The second, if you let them bear on the floricanes, then in the summertime, you're pruning out all the dead floricanes and keeping the, the new primocanes, right? So it's a selective pruning and it gets more, you know, it's much easier just go in and cut them all down. But yeah, that's the way it works in brief. Okay, where, there was another question, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you can see, you can get get as complicated with this as you want. Is the SWD, is that kind of a guaranteed problem, or is that just like a possibility? That 
<laughs> um, well, yeah, is SWD a guaranteed problem? Um, what do you do? What's your solution? Well, right now we're not selling um, our raspberries. We're just growing them for home use. Um, it, my understanding is it's been found in every state. So is it guaranteed? Probably the first few years, if you don't have a lot of other agriculture going on around you, you might get away with it for a few years. But chances are, at some point, it's going to find you. Now, you know, there's, it's, it's a new pest, and so there's lots of research going on trying to figure out how to deal with it. You know, somebody told me that they're doing research with hummingbird feeders in the patch, and the hummingbirds come for the food, but then they also eat the SWD. I, I haven't done my own research on that, so, you know, there may be solutions, <clears throat> and of course, the whole, you know, soil fertility thing, of course, is a big part of it. If you can have really healthy plants, um, I have talked to growers. The man at Hartman's plant farm, he was saying that, um, I, I got to be careful. This was a few years ago, so I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure he was talking about spraying their plants with C90 um, that really seemed to make them more resistant to SWD, but don't quote me on that. Well, again, we're not selling our blackberries and raspberries. Um, strawberries, they usually don't become an issue till at the end, uh, the very end of the season. Blueberries, um, you know, our patch is just, I would say, just coming into more commercial production. You know, we, we've had blueberries for ourselves, but we're getting to the place where we'll be selling more. So if, if we see it's a major issue, and you'll just see little flat spots on the blueberries, um, and they, they start getting mushy. Um, so, yeah. No, we've never had any customers complain. Um, I'm just very new at this, but I started six blackberries. They're thornless. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, thornless blackberry. <laughs> What time of year? Closer to the end of summer and fall. Okay. And uh, I don't know when to prune them. You say prune in January. Mine still has green leaves on them. Where, where do you live? In Cleveland. Okay. Well, blackberries tend to hold on to their leaves a while. Um, but yeah, I would. But y you got to make sure they're 
if you're going to chop them all the way to the ground, you have to make sure they're primocane bearing. Otherwise, you're losing your fruit for next year. No Can you go back to the nursery and ask them? I could, but it may not get the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Has, have, you, have you harvested anything yet? Oh, yeah. Does I, I actually... Well, now you're going to know what to look for, right? But I want to go back to this. I started telling you something about primocane berries in the deep south, and that is that a lot of growers were finding they were getting a really big harvest the following spring, earlier than than the floricane producing blackberries. So they were finding it was really beneficial for them to keep those canes to the second year and getting an early crop. So, you know, again, because it's an early crop, it's more susceptible to frost. So I would say only if you're in the deep set. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it with a few of ours because I haven't pruned ours back yet. I gotta go home and do that next week right um, but I, I'm going to leave a few plants just to see what happens in the spring so again you know it's it's a it, you know the garden is all about experiments and it's you know every year you try new things and yeah do blueberries try and produce the first year you plant them Oh, that, that's a good question. Do blueberries try and produce the first year? Yes, they do. And you need to take the flowers off for the first three years because you're wanting that blueberry plant to put its energy into, into its roots. So, yeah, that's hard, you know, to take off all the flowers. But that's biblical, actually, you know. If you, I, where is it, Leviticus or somewhere, it talks about taking off the fruit for the first three years, I think, and then the fourth year it's for the the priests and Levites. Deuteronomy, somewhere. Okay, well, uh, okay, one more question, and then we'll wrap it up. Tricks for harvesting which crop? Um, well, I'll tell you the biggest thing with blueberries and raspberries and blackberries is to have a belly bucket, and um, there there is a big one, but I think it's really too big. If you go to Indiana Berry, the IndianaBerry.com. They're the only place I know where you can get these, but they have a small one-gallon belly bucket, and you can get a, a um, belt, and so it's two-hand picking, which is much more efficient. And so I would definitely recommend... Now, of course, you know, some people just hang a tin can around their neck but you know when you get a gallon of berries it starts misaligning your neck okay so that's a, a cheap 
So a milk, a plastic milk, a gallon milk jug, you put your belt through the handle and cut the top off. So yeah, anything to, to do two hands is, is a, a key. You know, strawberries just have a strong back. Exercise all winter. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say on strawberries. Okay, thank you all for your for your uh, patience. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org.